Hi, everybody. I'm Ellie Schultz, one of the co-founders of Reboot. Welcome to the new conversation on our podcast channel. This one is for the operators, where we talk about practical, tactical challenges that come from scaling an organization and growing in your leadership. In these conversations, I sit down with Jerry and get him to wax practical on common topics we see leaders face. In this episode, we sit down just before the Thanksgiving holiday to talk a bit about the Great Resignation. Let's talk about the Great Resignation and what we're seeing happen for our clients and what opportunities there might be here. Well, let's establish a baseline of what it is we're talking about. The phrase, the Great Resignation, is really popular right now in the media uh, because what they're really identifying is the number of people who are no longer seeking employment or figuring things out. And as far too many people have discussed, and I'm not qualified to comment upon the economy here, there's been all this debate about what's behind the changing numbers. Um, we're sitting here the day before Thanksgiving recording this, and this morning the latest unemployment numbers are, I believe, the lowest that they've been since 1979, just around like, I think, 130,000 unemployed. This is contrasted with nearly 20 million unemployed at the start of the pandemic. So we've had this massive swing going on. Is it because of the economic policies or what? I'm not sure, but let's talk about what we're seeing. Yes. And in talking about what we're seeing, I like to think of this as more of the great re-examination more than the great resignation. And to me, the great re-examination encompasses, as a phrase, encompasses more than just the people who up and quit, but the vast majority of us who said what life was like before the pandemic hit, I don't want that to continue. Mm -hmm. And I put myself in the same bucket, right? All of the things that we saw going on before, I don't want to continue. And that includes, I don't want to travel the way I once traveled, right? You know very well what my life was before the pandemic hit. And you know very well that my health is significantly better because I've not been spending the majority of my life on United Airlines seat 11C. That's a tongue-in-cheek reference to something much bigger going on, which is people are saying, how I lived my life is no longer how I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And that includes where I want to live, for whom I want to work, how I want to pay my bills, what do I want to prioritize. This is having profound effect on our clients, on their ability to manage teams, and their ability to recruit people. I also think one of those other questions is, how do I want to work? And I think the remote or hybrid work environment is also bringing that up for a lot of folks as well, in terms of mm -hmm. who I want to be in an office, do I not want to be in an office? 
let, let me give you a perfect example. Again, ripped from today's headlines, right? The New York Times this morning reports much to their aghast. The New York Times is often aghast at the world. Much to their aghast that the traditional workers who have dominated what we refer to as Wall Street, which is really the finance industry based in New York, don't want to go back to the office. Now, what's really interesting about this is having grown up in New York, having grown up in that space, having even briefly worked for J.P. Morgan, there's a, a bravado that bordered on machismo that was associated with an entire work ethic, which was, you know, if I'm commuting from outside of New York City into New York City, I'm on the 5 a.m. train into the city and I'm, you know, at six o'clock grabbing a cup of coffee and I'm getting to my office at 6.30, 7 a.m. and I'm working till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And if my company is wealthy and most of them were, I'm taking a black car home, which is what we used to refer to things before there was Uber. And maybe if I'm really a youngster, it's my first job, when the senior partners are leaving, I'm ordering in Chinese food and I'm working till 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning, right? That was the norm. Now it's an extreme, I get you, but when people say, thank you very much, I actually don't want to commute. And they have, and let's acknowledge it, it's economic privilege to be able to say, I have an office that I close my door to. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. When people are saying that, and then they're choosing, even those who are most bought into the system are choosing to re examine how they're working and where they're working. Kind of everything's up for grabs. And one of the most important ways that we're seeing this, and every one of my CEO clients is struggling with, right now still, do we have a remote first policy? Do we have a hybrid policy? Do we have an office? If we have an office, is it a hoteling concept where I bring my laptop and I take the nearest available seat? And by the way, what does that mean for sales team gathering? What does it mean for whole company meetings? And what does it mean for the employees who don't have a work from home setup that's comfortable? And what does it mean for those who have all sorts of freedom and flexibility? What state are they working in? So when we talk about the great resignation, as I said before, I think it's really important to talk about this great re-examination going on. And I don't know what the short-term answers are. I can tell you what my long-term wishes are, right? My long-term wish here is that people settle in and they get back to putting humans first. And they really use that human first mindset to then determine whether we're a remote first workforce, we're a hybrid workforce, right? Because if you start with that then things start to become a little bit easier. It's like there's been a value shift over the course yeah. of, of the pandemic. Yeah, it, I think you're right. I mean, you can look at it either as a priorities or values or, or reflections of the same concept. It really comes down to, you know, we have our mutual friend, brilliant coach in New York, Ray Foote, 
And uh, shortly after he had some uh, medical work on his heart, he shared with me something that his doctor said to him, which is, how do you want to spend your minutes? And my goodness, isn't that the right question? I know, like, right? How do you want to spend your minutes? Not on that 5 a.m. train. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, it's been a long time since we talked about this, but you remember that I used to live on Long Island and commute into Manhattan. And for 20 years, I was on those kinds of trains. Now, I wouldn't take the 5 a.m. train. I would instead drive it because the traffic was so awful that it would take two hours to drive 16 miles. I mean, it was just insane. And to beat the traffic, I would leave at 4.30 in the morning. Like, what the hell was I doing? And, you know, as I talk about this, it reminds me of that story I tell in the book, in my book about flying back and forth to the West Coast and coming back into the house and collapsing in front of my daughter. And then going to my therapist and she's like, in effect, saying to me, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and in a sense, I think there are a lot of people, millions of people who sort of, in effect, had that kind of a moment where they walked into the house and spun around and collapsed on the floor and said, what am I doing? And if they have the capacity to change the economic demands on their life, the economic requirements of their life, Many, many people are questioning that. Now, you know, as a, an armchair philosopher and someone who's super, super excited about self-reflection and inner reflection, I'm excited about that. I think that that's great work. And as a CEO, it also freaks me out, right? Because we got work to do. <laughs> we have things we have to do. We have to go down a path of like, we have commitments we have to make. And so one of the first things that arises is, do I need to hire new people? Do I need to replace people? Right? I've got a client company, for example, where during uh, the pandemic, there was a diaspora, right? Everybody just fled out of Midtown Manhattan. CFO went down to Florida. Uh, you know, the head of corporate development went back to Utah. You know, all these different places. They don't want to come back. Do they fire them? Do they replace them? Because as we all know, Zoom is great, but it doesn't, it doesn't fill all of the needs that we have. It's an interesting moment for sure. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity in this moment though, isn't it? I think on both sides. I think um, it makes employers really... Uh, get serious about how are we treating our people and putting people first? Uh, what are we offering? What is it to work here? How do you take care of like all these aspects of what it means to have a, an organization that people want to work for all the way from psychological safety to, you know, good benefits and, and, uh, adequate and appropriate pay. Uh, and you know, on the other side, how does that also, kind of meet and, and merge with, you know, people who are really reevaluating for themselves. What is it to, to work? How do I want to do this now? Hearing you makes me think 
back to some of the work that we do with senior leadership teams. And you know that, that when we'll gather a team together, we may start off by saying things like, okay, let's, let's sync up on a definition of success. Let's sync up on a definition of failure, right? What do we mean by success? What do we mean? What, what would qualify as a failure in our objectives? And sometimes that's a discussion that leads to OKRs, but more often than not, it ends up in a discussion about values, right? And so my infamous questions that tend to prompt things like, what kind of company are you building? What kind of company do you want to work for? Because you're building that every day. And if your child came to work for your company, how would you feel, right? These sorts of culture-defining questions. Well, in a sense, the great re-examination, as we're calling it, doesn't this prompt an even wider call for this, right? So we start to say, is it enough that we build a company that is financially successful? Or do we have an aspiration to do something even further, something deeper? Sometimes they're, they're leaving their job not because they don't like the company. Mm-hmm. but because they want something else in their job, right? You know, now I'm thinking of Patty McCord and Patty, um, our good friend and former podcast guest, former head of HR at Netflix used to say about Netflix that Netflix aspired to be a great company to uh, have worked at. And in a sense, uh, if we presume that people are going to re-examine their lives and make choices based on their own human needs, and we build that into our expectation, we no longer have to think of that as our failure as leaders. But in fact, a normal part of the process of our growth and development as a company. And isn't that lovely? If we reframe it, if we build in the expectation that people will move into our lives in our companies and move out and move on. And we define that as part of the success. We can realign right around our values and our principles. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, head to reboot.io slash podcast to explore past and present seasons of our podcast conversations. To help more people find and enjoy the Reboot podcast, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. You can find our step-by-step guide for leaving reviews in the show notes of each episode. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. mean to build organizations of belonging? How can you build an organization safe enough for the whole human to show up at work? In Reboot's newest email course, we discover the hidden power and privilege that can pervade an organization 
and consider what is needed beyond the HR trends and into matters of the heart to create and sustain real places of belonging for all employees. Compiled and created by the Reboot team of coaches and facilitators, this course is a conversation around the question, how can you contribute to creating an inclusive culture of belonging? The course will unfold via a series of six emails full of content, one email per day over six days. And we hope by the end of the course, you have a sense on how you can relate to belonging to yourself, how you create belonging in your communities, work, home, and life. To learn more and to sign up for free, head to reboot.io slash inclusivity.